Welcome back to In Bed With Books podcast with your host, Bethany. And Melissa. This is a two-parter. This is the second part of the Gothic tradition and literature that Melissa is um, sharing with us today. <laughs> and we talked <laughs> a about A very that. non-aggressive, non-aggressive yeah. way of saying that. <laughs> I know. Does not um, reflect how... <laughs> how fired up I would get, but yeah. So we're continuing today on that. So let's, um, let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. So the, the, the two theme main themes that I pulled out from the other is this external one. So something outside of your culture, something outside of like the English empire or the European empire, I should say since I don't think Conrad was English, um, is the internal other. I actually love this one. I do recommend this one. This one can be easily read by the faint of heart. I read it in like a day. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it has not been that aggressively changed from the original story. Can I tell you my experience with Dr. (laughs) Yes, with, with this book? No, what is it? How, Dr. Dr. Jekyll, Jekyll and Mr. And Hyde. Mr. Hyde. I didn't yeah. want to say Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde because that's something my mom would say and also me. Um, yeah. <laughs> was um, the page master. <laughs> yes. yes. I love I that movie that so it's much. So good. I love it's the books. So good. The little books. Yes. And it was uh, Whoopi Goldberg and there was an angry book. And then there was like a sad book and then the fairy book, which was Whoopi Goldberg. But the, well, the sad but, book was a little Gothic. I think he yeah, was, he was this like, scary he was loosely Frankenstein. Yeah. Cause he's kind of like big and dumb. And then the, think of the pirate was like the, the pirate was like the adventure, which was essentially yeah, like, and him um, and the fairy were like in love. Yeah. It was so cute. I love that. Yes. So much. But it, yeah, the part where it was like the Dr. Jekyll, the books like yes. did that and that's like the only thing i've ever seen on it that you know like oh i know um, what it means in that way but honestly, it's the same person that yes part of the the movie was really scary actually i remember oh it. yeah it is terrifying <laughs> i remember that as a kid <laughs> yeah i did not i also don't handle scary things easily though yeah so um yeah so i i do recommend this one i think it's very good it, again very easy and because of uh, that story within a story style that Gothic tradition uses, you don't actually meet Dr. Jekyll slash Mr. Hyde until the very, very end. I think technically even after he's defeated. Mm-hmm. So you're getting all of it kind of told as his friends are trying to figure it out trying to figure out like what's been wrong with the doctor lately he's been acting really really strange really distant so let's see who was the writer of this essay Catherine Linehan 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 oh god how do you spell (laughs) what I need l-i-n-e-h-a-n Linehan Linehan okay my first one so I thought okay so, for a little background then on 
Robert Louis Stevenson. Great writer. He also did Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. So maybe the page master just yeah. really liked Robert Louis Stevenson. Yeah. It was like subliminal messaging. We just needed to read all of his things. Yeah. Um, which I would agree with. He's a good author. He was raised in a highly religious society or culture, I should say. He was raised in Edinburgh. I don't think it was entirely reflective of all of Edinburgh. It was just like where his family was from. But as he got older, he kind of strayed a little bit from it, but not entirely. And so this this essay is using some of that to mm-hmm. expound on a reading on uh, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So key points real quick. Stevenson rejected like prudeness what's that the word like celibacy like anti-sexuality notions that pop Mm. up in in like really strong christian sex sects (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) thank you thank you for clarifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, the, the way that sex is viewed in sex you know i love it um but he did keep some of the morality the notions around morality and that kind of pops up and it's unclear how conscious he is that he still retained this or how accepting he is of the fact that he has but it's definitely like a an overbearing presence almost especially so this this essay pulls from some some letters again and some of them like the the uh lenahan also notes that like in a letter marked private yeah <laughs> so, yeah uh, ahead of time again i'm sorry to mr stevenson for reading these private things on our podcast but in my defense she published them so that's on her <laughs> um not us <laughs> yeah this is that, this is not yeah, our the fault crime has already been done the crime has already been done what's one more <laughs> yeah exactly exactly okay so for context within the book, again, like spoilers, Dr. Jekyll is a doctor. And he... Spoiler. I know. <laughs> Ooh, in case you didn't know. What he's done is he's gone and like created this potion that helps his alter ego come out, known as Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde comes out at night and commits undefined and never really described nighttime pleasures the general consensus as readers has been that these are rather sexual in nature and so that he's like going out and he's being a sexual deviant and it's all about the un like the inherent sexual deviancy of men and of like man as figure but In a reply marked private, Stevenson vents his exasperation with the Victorian prudery that equates sexual appetite with evil and thereby fails to see that Hyde's cruelty stems not from Hyde's uh, drive for sex, but Jekyll's drive for concealment. And Mm. it does actually have the passage here. So I do want to also read that, like the passage from the letter. Hyde was not, okay, hold on, again, small context. In 1887, he's writing this because 
a New York theater had put on a sensationalized stage portrayal of the story mm-hmm. that made Hyde's like sexual predation explicit. And there's even a, uh, they've created a figure that's Jekyll's fiance who becomes like subject to this. So it really like, it takes this element that's just kind of loosely implied because it's almost for Stevenson, not important to the story and makes it the core. Mm. Um, Hyde was not great gods, a mere voluptuary. There is no harm in a voluptuary and none with my hand on my heart and in sight of God, none, no harm, whatever in what prurent fool calls immorality. The harm was in Jekyll because he was a hypocrite, not because he was fond of women. The hypocrite, which is capitalized, let out the beast Hyde, who is no more sexual than another, but who is the essence of cruelty and malice and selfishness and cowardice. And these are the diabolic in man, not this poor wish to have a woman that they make such a cry about. Yeah. So it's yes. it's like the hypersexualizing. Yes. What I everyone think we even talked about this recently has. Yeah. Where. When did we talk about it? I think I think it was just us talking, not like on the podcast. I don't know, oh. but like the flip side of Christianity as a whole, aggressively denying sexuality. Mm-hmm. They are almost always the first ones to find it where it doesn't even exist. Yes. Because there's, it's so suppressed. Or to place it on the most innocent. Yes, You know, exactly. the, the, the um, prepubescent girl is being too, is dressing too scant. Yeah, she's got The adult strap. man can't handle it. Like, yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so Stevenson was saying this shit 130 years ago, 140 years ago already. Ooh, I do want to read this. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, Next year. So, huh? Next year. Yes. Yeah, we can have the list. Um, so that brings me to what this other theme is. Like I said, this is a kind of like a more internal other. Mm-hmm. But Stevenson kind of talks about it as self-alienation so his main issue is it comes down to human interaction this kind of recognition that humans are social creatures we need interaction the problem comes when for one reason or another I feel like we have to leave. Flight that. I detour. About, like, I know. I know. Like, like, we can't talk about like hiding part of yourself and then just like yeah. cut out a part of me like half burping. It, it popped up. I ate a whole Chipotle bowl earlier. <laughs> in my defense. Um, just like slight hangover things you have to do to recover. Yeah. Like your appetite's finally back, so you just eat as much as yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh God, where was I? <laughs> yeah, I left my you adjusting glasses. You're like, <laughs> you're like, hmm, where was I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yo, teach. <laughs> yeah, you're, also, you're the teacher. I've got my Halloween mug. I'm yes. continuing to show you, but I'm right-handed, so I haven't used it yet. But 
This is my Halloween. Is that the uh, is that Day of the Dead? Mm -hmm. Or is it just yeah? Yeah, it's um, it's from a store we have in Texas called H E B. This is going to be a real quick tangent. Yep. (laughs) Go ahead. So H E B is Texas specific. First of all, the store is like amazing. It's Mm -hmm. got great prices, everything you need. Clearly, since I get my groceries and my new mugs from there. Do you want to know what H-E-B stands for? Not really. Do I? Do I? I think you do. Okay. I think you do. So it's the founder's initials. (laughs) Howard E. (laughs) Butts. (laughs) That's it? H-E-B? That's that's it. (laughs) But he put... He, He didn't want it just to be called butts yeah <laughs> but, exactly. butts butts and sons or <laughs> yeah no it's howard it's just h-e-b howard e butts <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm gonna get like assassinated for this now <laughs> for blaspheming the butts family <laughs> <laughs> i mean did i just kill you I- is that it <laughs> I think I'm going to say, I think if you, if you keep that name, you've done it to yourself. Yeah. yeah. You've invited this. Yeah. I, I've got to believe he's confident if he's kept it and he's like, you you can't just think people aren't going to look up what H-E-B looks like stands for. Yeah. You can't hide it. Exactly. Exactly. We've got the internet. (laughs) So, Yep man <laughs> so, so self-alienation yes <laughs> in an earlier essay let me see what year this this was published mm. real quick that's what i was going to ask because yeah. real quick um yeah go for thought it that i had was the potion that enhances his super ego or alter ego or whatever you said yeah is very Freudian. So this it would have is, had to yes. be later 19th century. And you did so, say something was like a letter was published in 1887. I wrote that down. So it's yeah. somewhere in the 1870s, 1880s, which it would was have actually, been- so it was first published in 86. Okay. So it must've just been like excessively popular. Um, but that makes sense. Yeah, because so Freud's like theories of the ego and the yeah. hyper, the, the underlying sexual you know yeah whatever nature of the the yeah the uh, oedipus complex stuff like was very um was very like uh controversial at the time yeah and so he was probably really interested in that in in lieu of or not in lieu in 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 um in the conversation with his like morality and like in conjunction with yes thank you yeah one thing, so not what I was about to say, but an interesting kind of even branch off from that. One thing that Lena Hen proposes in this uh, in this essay is that the fact that Stevenson doesn't ever clarify that they're sexual crimes, and there's also notably no female figures within the story. So it's Dr. Right. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and Dr. Jekyll's male friends. That's kind of refreshing. 
Well, it's and, and it's and nice be- because it's of a sexual nature. Yes. Like it takes that out yes. of the equation. Refreshing in that way. Yes, it, it puts the onus, the potential onus, mm-hmm. all on on Mr. Hyde slash Doctor Jekyll. Yes, but Leanhan even almost, or she argues that it's almost as though the crime isn't even of sexual nature, of like his drive for sex with women, but his drive for love with women. Mm-hmm. because of their absence within the story and so kind of thinking again of this like freudian kind of like alter ego oh, figure it's like is that he won't even let himself feel love and so he's created this other part mm-hmm. of himself this this split personality in order to just feel love but because love has been so aggressively demonized because what we view as a generally modern sentiment and what stevenson obviously was kind of at the precursor of in terms of like western society this existed way before like in greece and stuff but like love and sex go together and they don't have to mean children Mm -hmm. sex as this modus of intimacy rather than progeny Mm -hmm. is the controversial figure Right. That's why Stevenson gets so frustrated when people try to be like, he's a sexual predator. He's a rapist. Yeah. He goes into the night and sneaks into your windows. It's like, no, like Stevenson didn't intend that. The intention yeah. is that Jekyll is so hard pressed to not feel these feminine things, these, this intimacy that mm-hmm. has created this whole other figure that will yeah, that's able to express that. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like that you made that connection too. Yeah, it's like the toxic masculinity is keeping him from just. It's like, hey, fellas, it's a gay to love your girlfriend. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, well, it's almost like the the absence of women is mm-hmm. its own comment on yeah um, women in the role. Yes, like in in his in his um battle within himself. Right? Yeah, of like so finding love. If we're so we're being told this story from the community of people that Dr. Jekyll exists within, right? And so it's this community that has caused him to think that he has to do this self-alienation, which mm-hmm. I think now today it's more closely like doubling where you kind of have different parts of yourself for different people and for different environments Mm -hmm. because you cater to whatever well and there's different spaces yeah exactly exactly um and so there's no women in that space which tells us that that space that he typically exists within does not welcome women Mm -hmm. and so what dr jekyll has learned is that in order to be an upstanding person within this community, he needs to eliminate the part of him that needs women. Yeah. Um, One thing that I was thinking as well as I'm reading through this, because she's got, she kind of expounds a little bit on his conception of self-alienation. Let's see here. Where are we? 
for all his rebellion against puritanical prudery and hypocrisy, and for all his interest in a secularizing reconsideration of Christian theology in light of Victorian science, Stevenson retained from the Scotch Presbyterian of his Edinburgh childhood a large burden of concern about the way small sins could grow into large ones if left unvisited, if left unvisited by the eye of conscience. And surely habitual hypocrisy invites just such a drift from responsiveness to soul and conscience. A public image of sanctity becomes an alibi to the self from the self, a shield under which fault can breed and fester undetected. Um, you know that, that I can't remember the phrase, but something about like the higher the pedestal, the, the harder the fall. Mm-hmm. So when you think about like, I'm going to tie in the modern kind of conceptualization a little bit early, but think about when a celebrity suddenly becomes America's sweetheart. My favorite example is Jennifer Lawrence, because like overnight, she, she was a sensation. She was relatable. She was fun. She loved pizza. We all loved her. She was not super skinny. So she was a little bit more relatable. And then she said just like a couple of questionable things, which I agree they were questionable. She did a couple of questionable things. And just like that, like overnight, her like approval rating plummeted, Mm -hmm. absolutely plummeted because she had created this public identity, which all celebrities do. Like this is not whether they really intend to or not. Yeah, it's just the nature of being a public figure like this. mm -hmm. She had made one that was unfortunately not sustainable because it's a flat character. Mm -hmm. But it's a flat character that strives for love and admiration. On the flip side, look at the Kardashians. The Kardashians have created an image around themselves that is based in us hating them. Yes. They don't care because they get clicks, which like mad respect, you're playing the game. I'm not like, don't hate the player, right? And so rather than creating this kind of alibi of the self from the self, like Lenahan says, they've created this, what is essentially just their life 24 seven. Mm-hmm. anytime anything goes wrong it is part of the script already we all knew that eventually kim and kanye were going to get divorced because that is the script that has been written and so it doesn't ruin their image in the same way that like america's sweetheart not just like yes jennifer lawrence but whenever you have like a child star become like a sexual figure suddenly well, the nature of the image that the Kardashians have created is their, like, is their reality? Yeah. Like, that is the nature. Like, they started that reality show, like, pretty early oh, God. on. Was it, like, 10 years ago? Like, it's Yeah. I remember it watching it when Netflix first came out. I was like, sweet. And I, like, yeah. I got really into it because <laughs> it was, you yeah. know, 10 years ago, and that's what you did. Um, And so it, it was their image was able to evolve yes in a way that worked 
because that is what that was the nature of that yes. was the nature of their mm -hmm. um of whatever showbiz or yeah um i'm trying to think of like a male version because generally what you get with like i guess male celebrities is the heartthrob so like george clooney is kind of of a good example because he was the bachelor for a very long time he was hollywood's bachelor and then one day he got married mm -hmm. and it was news for like years even after he got married because it wasn't a bad thing and i'm, I'm sure there i'm sure there were plenty of like moms who were very angry over it even though they were married with their own families but um it touted this line because it ruined his, and I say ruined loosely, but like it ruined the persona that the public had created for him. Mm. But it also abided by yes. our generally like our core as like a country, our unfortunately core Christian values, which is that you should aspire to marriage. Well, I have a few good examples of male. Yes, go ahead. That. Um, Ryan Gosling, he yes. was a heartthrob, but then he took on some really interesting roles mm -hmm. and became not just a heartthrob. He became multidimensional so that men liked to watch him as well. Yes. There's another version of this. Fuck. Um, I can't remember, but Ryan Gosling is one example. I would say Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, um, uh, Robert Pattinson. Yes. From Twilight. Yes. Because then I we just fucking watched The Lighthouse and it's like he's he incredible. To shed that image, yeah. And he's not a sexualized character. Yeah. What I find interesting is that like and this isn't like I'm having this thought for the first time and nobody else has had it before me, but like generally speaking <laughs> I arrived at it originally. <laughs> yeah, I arrived at this thought first. <laughs> yeah. Um Generally speaking, when we're talking about celebrity, when we're talking about this this self-alienation that uh, celebrities kind of are forced to do as public figures, when they're broken, more often men are accepted in their new form, mm -hmm. whereas women have like a fall are, from grace. Are dejected, yeah. Yeah. So when you get like the child stars, because Ryan Gosling was a child star. Yeah. And granted, he didn't have quite the same like post-child star experiences that Lindsay Lohan or Miley Cyrus had or Britney Spears. But he that's because he was accepted as an adult as well. Mm -hmm. Generally, we didn't have to see his transition. We accepted his transition from it's Mickey easier. Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah. It's it's easier to see the man in the boy boy chap, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, that transition is so much easier for everyone, apparently. Yeah. But when, yeah, like we talked about earlier, just how um, the the juxtaposition of like hypersexualizing the prepubescent girl and then not mm -hmm. allowing her to be sexual when yeah. she's ready, and yeah. then like the her sexuality becomes a definition of her becoming a woman. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that we're still rejecting her own expression of that sexuality 
Yeah. It's kind of like like Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Like we were talking about that one, like uh, the other day, just how when she becomes, she comes out of the Hannah Montana motif and like wants Mm -hmm. to be like a woman. It, she did, she went through like a crazy time because Mm -hmm. everyone just wanted her to be a child. Yeah. They were like, no, no, you're Miley. You're still Miley. And she's like, yes, but this is who Miley is. Yes. She showed us. She was very fearless in showing us that. Mm -hmm. Um, which I would give credit to the fact that she came from a family that knew fame. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying that as like a bad thing at all. Like, or like a, she came from privilege, but like a, she knew what was going to happen. Yeah. She embraced the fuck out of it. Yeah. She saw it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She saw it coming around the corner and she like, she got ready for it. Um, okay. Sorry. Let me go back to my, yeah. My notebook. Here. Yeah. Um, You're handy dandy. Yes. Yes. I think I got most of the quotes here that I wanted to read. Cause I got that last one about celebrity. But yeah. Okay. Well, there was one. Do you have any other points? Well, just, I guess kind of to round up the conversation, but then I'm down to, to continue what we were talking about. But um, Stevenson is very aggressively saying the importance of being able to be intimate with your fellows mm-hmm. because it wasn't the fact that Mr. Hyde was this kind of like shadow self almost. It was the fact that Dr. Jekyll made him. Yes. So kind of, I guess what got me, what got us onto the tangent. So you've got the community that the story is being told from. So it's a biased point of view biased narration against Mr. Hyde. So then I, I kind of love that we don't hear his crimes because then it does almost support Lena Han's suggestion that what if the crime isn't even sex? The crime is literally just love. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Dr. Jekyll existed within this space and they do talk well of him, they think he's a stand-up guy. And so he has become within this little community, like a celebrity figure this figure who accentuates the best parts of them. Right. But that's because he has explicitly rejected and separated from himself mm-hmm. in like in his brain, because his body, like, like in the page master, he undergoes that, that transformation. These other parts of him, all of the things that he's rejecting. So you've got like, yes, you have the evil in there, but then he's thrown things in that they don't belong like love and intimacy and sex that shouldn't be demonized yet are and that's his downfall so in the end oh i hate that i oh i hate that i'm going to spoil this but it's okay so the way it ends is that mr hyde kind of just refuses to go back inside and so they have to like overcome him right and that's yes it's true of like if you let this thing, if you try to push it down more, it's going to make it worse. It's going to get angry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, as like a f- person or like a, an animal with a mind, yes, but also secrets. When you try to keep secrets, they kind of get a mind of their own. Mm-hmm. If you try to like hide feelings, feelings suppress. have a way. Yeah. If you try to suppress feelings, feelings have a way of exploding Yeah. when you don't want them to and taking over like that. So there's so many, like, so, like, there's so much depth almost to 
yes, it's an internal struggle, but also he Stevenson is very explicitly, he's like the, you're missing the point. Like the reason it's from their point of view is because they're the ones that he's shitting on. Mm -hmm. And the people who are like doing these productions and who are making hide a sexual predator, he's like, yeah, it went right over your head. Yeah, you're from the same community. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, don't see the, the fact the fact is is that spoiler alert, he dies. Yeah. It consumes him, so it's yes. not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So, the people who his community that have celebritized him, so, you know, made him celebrity, mm-hmm. have are at fault for this exactly exactly they are they are the british colonialists (laughs) yeah like it's dr jekyll only did this because you wouldn't allow him to be his full self Mm -hmm. yeah but dr Um, jekyll also in like sustained well, that he, as well he, he was part of his community so yeah he's just as much as fault like i do agree yeah. with stevenson yeah, on yeah. that but it's like then all of our versions that we've seen of this make hyde the villain it's like hyde's not the villain yeah hyde is just the consequence yes so i guess going back again to um jennifer lawrence for example everyone just was so astounded when she said some of these kind of problematic things it's like you're only astounded because you made her into this mm-hmm. ascended ultimate yeah. girl next door figure who's not like other girls when she's just not like that she just doesn't want to talk about dresses basically on the red carpet which yeah. is fair but it's like the public created this image around her and then when she didn't reflect it the public revolted yeah one way that this still comes up is the one that kind of comes to mind i should say i haven't even seen it yet no one really has it's the new spider-man movie that's coming out Mm. it's called no way home and the premise is that everybody has now found out that peter parker is spider-man and he tries to live And until this point, he has tried living both lives. He has tried being Spider-Man and then separately being Peter Parker. And now he's having to deal with the consequences of that once everybody finds out that he's Spider-Man. I know you don't really watch superhero movies, so that's why I'm giving a little... It's fine. I do know Spider-Man. I did watch the one with Toby. Yeah, the 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 right ones. Everyone did. Yes, the right ones. I'm going to say that. Yeah. You can quote me on that. I'll die on that hill. Um, The right ones. (laughs) (laughs) but this is still like very aggressively a theme within things that we like to explore as humans within like books and movies which is your true self versus how people see you Mm -hmm. i guess like a way that it pops up sometimes and even rom-coms is when they have to like hide the new job that they've got or um I watch a lot of rom-coms, like a lot yeah. of like Hallmark style, nice. even where it's like they're in the everyone has like their changing clothes to like pretend that they weren't doing what they were just doing. right. Yeah, I, we all have our like cheesy things we watch. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say social media, like 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Is a huge like like one I think we all kind of struggle with. Yeah. yeah, especially especially when you think about that element of it wasn't Jekyll as this kind of isolated figure who did it. Mm-hmm. It was the culture that he exists within creating the need for it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, social media is that culture. We create our personas for online. Yeah. Even as much as, like, every influencer wants to talk about how candid they're being. Half yeah. of it is scripted. And that's coming from, like, two people who are, like, trying to navigate, like, we're still early in the podcast and in, in bed with books and... How do we, like, who is my Mr. Hyde? Who is my online persona? Or yeah. is my online persona the Dr. Jekyll and I'm Mr. Hyde? Like, like which is, yeah. it's, it's a very borderless kind of concept. Mm-hmm. I'm, bringing yeah. up, I'm bringing up the thing you sent me. Okay. Because there was something in it that was interesting to me that I wanted to bring up. Yes, and add yes, to the do. conversation. Um, which was the, the Byronic hero. Yes. Which I think is super, was very interesting, which I vaguely have heard in the past, but haven't really known what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me, give me a minute. Okay. Find it. Okay. Did you find it? Yes. Okay, it's, cool. It, it's a lot, but, um. Okay. Then real quick, actually. Yeah. I did remember another point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the fact that I didn't remember it sooner is it means like someone's going to come in the night and steal my master's <laughs> <laughs> But Jekyll and Hyde is essentially an argument over the private versus the public cell, which is yes. something we talked a lot about with the 18th century. Yes. So I love that theme. Thinking again. That was in my dissertation. I talked a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did too. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, it's, it's not an 18th century specific concept. It kind of emerged mm. as like a think piece back then, but it's like face value, what it says it is. It's like the public self versus the private self, which is why it makes sense with this whole discussion. So I want to make sure to say that. So if people are looking into this, they can be like, oh, public versus private self on the internet. Yes. Um, and this but, is more like of an internal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so when you think again about the fact that this emerged from a response or is in conversation with romanticism, which emerged as in a response to revolution, which was the 18th century thing, like it comes from a long line of discussion. Yes. And Stevenson is very clearly putting his foot down in a very specific stance here. Yeah. The, the internal struggle of public versus private. And I would say too, mm-hmm. that the 18th century was actually a very open, more openly sexual than we think oh, than yeah. we would um, traditionally think uh, would be the case, but it was, um, it was after the revolution that shut it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, essentially. And per- uh, propriety and uh, etiquette and the the Victorian era really brought in like a very suppression of sexuality yes. um, and um, people dressed you know you know in yes. the 18th century people you know women's bosoms were all over the place but well that's what I was gonna say is like 
I feel like in the collective kind of mind space, like the collective cloud of our brains, generally we think of 18th century, but we imagine Victorian. Yes. And kind of conflated. Yes. And I, like, unless I agree. you explicitly learned like the differences. I agree. We're I, more generally thinking of it. Yes. Because we yes. think that, I think we, we generally liked to think, like to think of time as linear. And it's like, and it's, get, like it gets it's progressively, like progressively better. Yeah. And Victorian was not as long ago as the 18th century. So the 18th century must've been really buttoned up. And that's yeah. not the truth because no. um, like we've said with like romanticism and things is that the um, globalization and uh, colonization, co- colonization and even um, consumerism and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the revolution really brought in like the industrial era, yeah, which like, created this like almost like nervous energy of like what's happening to our world um, a need for more control exactly and so exactly and so the mm-hmm. and so it what whatever byron dies and like a new era comes forth <laughs> yes i yeah. remember i went to a i went uh ian and i went to a romanticism lecture and i was nice. so and i was so sick and i coughed through the whole thing i felt so bad uh. but i uh uh, she was um, presenting her uh, research and her essay about how um, like the end of the romantic period and how it's like so di- it cha- it, it's different for every like historian. I um, mean, a lot yeah. of people believe that it was when Byron died, but there was like a lot of things in the 1830s that could have contributed to that. But like Byron's mm-hmm. death was kind of like the, you know, <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then it just became Victorian and it was just very, um, very, very buttoned up, very conservative because also Queen Victoria, Queen Victoria, like yeah. you were saying, is in, was um, like the beginning of imperialism. Yeah. Um, like I, in, I spoke imperialism to- as almost like this, because I, I, w- I would like to clarify that like it's beforehand, it's just kind of like scattered like everyone's kind of doing it. Sure. We're all just kind of like grab up what we can. Yeah. Cause the French Victoria, were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The French were doing it. The Dutch were doing it. Yeah. Uh, the Spaniards were doing it. Portuguese were doing it. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. Um, Victoria took it to a whole new level. Yeah. Cause by this point, even a lot of the countries have for the most part given up actively participating in mm-hmm. colonialism. They've maintained their outposts but they're not seeking new ones. Right. Whereas Victoria under Victoria's rule, I should say she got India. She got India. She got parts of Africa. Yeah. Hence the diamond Jubilee. Like she took it and she made it Vogue. Yes. Is what she did. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately to pretty much every country with people of colors demise, but yeah. Um, and, uh, t- kind of to comment on like the, the sexual, um, conversation that we we're having <laughs> is like, she has journals that, you know, we're all like reading now. Right. I guess. Yeah. And she had like Probably this private. really vivacious, like sex life with Albert. 
-hmm. but she created the persona of a virtuous non-sexual woman yep a matron um and it was like this very interesting like yeah very interesting dichotomy yeah um and uh yeah because letters themselves i should we should i guess we could have talked about this a little bit before but it makes sense now is all of these so like it's really common in romantic and in gothic things so like pretty much all of Jane Austen, most of Jane Austen is told in the form of like letters or journal entries. Um, Like we said, Frankenstein, all of these. Mm -hmm. It's because they're playing on the 18th century notion of public versus private existing within letters. In the Mm -hmm. 18th century, it was huge for letters just to be read in the household to the whole house, sitting around in the den we're reading the letters. It was like news. It was like Facebook. Exactly. We, we don't have radio. We don't have television. Yeah. We got nothing. We got letters. Um, and so that's another kind of level of why the stories are told this way. Because they're coming from this history of yeah. letters functioning as more than just like texting your friend. Yeah. That, like, that is an element of the public versus private. The literary conflation of private and public yes um but yes i wanted to talk about the byronic hero which i thought was a gothic thing but i realized it was the romanticist um thing that you sent me it was in that section but i just thought it was so interesting um i mean maybe we can save this for the romanticism but i'll just read it real quick um I love that the, it like talks about it's characters I've seen in modern yeah. things. Um, one of them comes to mind is Don Draper from Mad Men, who mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of, you're, you're positioned to root for him, but he is an adulteress <laughs> and a liar. Mm-hmm. And he's posing as someone who is who he's not. And he has this dark past. And he very much feels like a Byronic hero because he's like mysterious in that way. Mm-hmm. And so he almost draws you in. Um, and like one, let's see, one of the things, um, often the Byronic hero is moody by nature or passionate about a particular issue. He also has emotional and intellectual capacities, which are superior to the average man. These heightened abilities force the Byronic hero to be arrogant confident abnormally sensitive and extremely conscious of himself um but then i love that it says um he's characterized by a guilty memory of some unnamed sexual crime (laughs) like like but it's just like this kind of like conflation yes of being actually like taken in by society in like a desirable way but also having like this secret Mm -hmm. um problematic past yes um is really still we love the byronic hero yeah like that is like heathcliff is the original toxic man that we all love like oh yeah (laughs) as i'm reading it sometimes and he does things i'm like god you're the worst but you're so hot i know we don't even really like we get some vague descriptions of you and you still sound and he's a monster Yes. Like he's oh God, awful. He's like, but we all would choose him like, over Mr. Rochester. You know what I mean? Oh like- God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like 
There's, or Darcy. <laughs> it's the like the tall, dark, and handsome kind mysterious. of like, mysterious. Like I don't, I don't know where he's been or where he got his fortune all of a sudden. Probably yeah. by unsavory means. But I'm in he's, on it. I'm there. I'm there for it. <laughs> like, you're the like, way that like we use it now because I feel like the Byronic hero now is like this kind of. 2.0 version that we've created from what we need now, you know? And the one now is it takes elements, especially from like Heathcliff, where it's like the obsession. Mm-hmm. The obsessive quality the where like he he has this mysterious sexual past. He's definitely like experienced, but he only has eyes for you now. Even though in these stories, she's always a virgin. Yeah. She's got to be a virgin. And so he loves, but he also hates himself because he's going to corrupt you. He's going to sexually corrupt you. And he can't, he can't live with himself over it. And so it takes like 250 pages to convince him to even just like kiss you because the hand touching, he's like, well, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get too into it, but it's almost the very similar to the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing where he, he then expresses that monstrosity of debasing to what's her name miss linton linton's sister yes yes whatever her name is yep (laughs) um you know as like a a foil of this other man that he is Mm -hmm. that she that she has evidently made him into you know oh it's just it's just fascinating and i can't wait to get into that (laughs) it is like the exploration of the way that just sexuality period has been tabooed not yes. like specific ty- types of sexuality but sexuality yeah as a whole yeah even like he can't just have relations with the woman that he loves because the act of having those relations the act of that intimacy alone would debase her yeah even though it's an act of love yeah because there has to be a virgin she has to maintain a virgin her virginity because if she doesn't maintain her virginity is she worthy of his obsession in uh weathering heights generally speaking oh, okay in this dynamic yes. like you yes. get the byronic hero and the virginal girl that he's, yes. he's corrupting yes just by his presence he's corrupting her yeah lucy and um, what's her face yeah exactly so like lucy with dracula mm. lucy and mina with dracula is their value came from their ability to produce English children. Yeah. So the second they've been debased in a specific way, they even, um, that was good. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause when Mina starts to go through it as well, um, Van Helsing doesn't let Harker lay with her at first because she's slightly under Dracula's control. They have mm-hmm. to wait until they know she's in the clear Right. Before he's able to, because otherwise he might then inadvertently be infected somehow. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. This is fascinating. I, I love the Byronic hero. Yeah. I like and, and Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, I, I think we need to explore that a bit more and I think we will like in oh other. for sure for yeah. sure especially that, well, especially because again. we're gonna be reading Wuthering Heights yeah 
we can make a note of looking up some readings for that as well going into yeah. it because yeah. i would almost argue that like okay so another byronic loosely byronic hero is like mr darcy yes oh we love mr darcy yes. don't we he's we so misunderstood mr. he's he so he's just dark and broody yeah <laughs> He's rich. Yeah. And he stands in the corner, awkward. He can't dance. He'll dance for Elizabeth, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll definitely talk about that. I would kind of argue, though, that our current conception of the Byronic hero figure is more closely related to Heathcliff than it is to Darcy. Even yes. though Heathcliff is like this bastardized version of what the Byronic hero originally was. To kind of like mirror to us what the issues with the figure is. So one like modern version that I'm thinking of is Nicholas Scratch from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm -hmm. He's like, for those who haven't watched the show, it's all out. So if you haven't watched it by now, I'm sorry. I'm going to slightly spoil some love things. So Sabrina starts going to her human school where for a while she's dating the guy that she always dates. What's his name? Harvey, Harvey Kinkle. And then after she starts going to the witch school, she meets Nicholas Scratch and she also starts dating Nicholas Scratch. So if we want to get into again, that private versus public life where she's got two parts of herself and eventually in the series, she even like splits herself so that she can be in like more places at once. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that, but it's also a very gothic show. So that makes sense that they would tie in some of those elements. Um, but Nicholas Scratch is, he's got like a harrowed sexual past. He's, from the second she starts going there, he's intensely interested in her. He is dark haired darker skin kind of edward from twilight too like, like a really little bit obsessive. yeah a little bit yeah. of that he's got broodingness yeah like edward is is an attempt at like making a byronic hero but failing miserably okay i've never watched or read so i'm not a i almost feel like we should do like a, a series <laughs> called bethany experiences twilight twilight for the first time <laughs> <laughs> That would be good. <laughs> um, we could do it as like a movie one. It might be a little easier on you. I can't imagine you honestly be- being able to get through Twilight. Yeah. I, the I, books. The books, yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I can watch um, the movie. Anyway. Yeah. They're all on Netflix. So, but yeah, Nicholas Scratch is one that comes to mind. Um, another one is, and this is somebody I've talked about on the show before, the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes from Captain America. Because he does, he doesn't start out as one, but once he becomes the Winter Soldier, he becomes this dark, broody, mysterious man who was subjected to pain, and so he's like, he's got the wounds to make him hard on, like, at life, <laughs> and he's he's he just kind of like scowls, yeah, and looks hot while he does it. Oh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Like, can you think of other ones from like I guess we read a lot of these things? So um Holland, which we did compare, yeah. uh, I compared to the Winter Soldier even, but like Holland yeah. is a Byronic hero. Yeah. Especially in the third one when we find out that he had like a girlfriend. Yeah. So then he's kind of he been hurt. That mysterious and, yes. sexual past. Yep. Um one part. 
at least nowadays, is that you don't always trust the Byronic hero. Like, he'll yes. be p- pit up against the, like, the hero, right hero. choice, the hero. And if it's a rom-com, sometimes the hero turns out to not be a hero. And yes. so the Byronic one, the Byronic hero becomes the well, real. Because, because the hero hero is just Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. The hero is it a is reflection of the cultural mores that and the has norms that actually has a present, like a present sin. You know what I mean? Like yes, yes, no, uh, exactly, issues. exactly. And then it comes out, and then he, uh, he's not as cool. Like, like he has a fall from grace. Yes, because they're not one person, like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah, he's hiding something by being that that hero hero but then the byronic hero in these situations ends up winning out he gets the girl in the end because she finds out that he was like the honest person yeah he was being honest with his true self with his mr hyde self he didn't double them he didn't self-alienate he allowed them to coexist for better or worse within himself well and and the part where that I read where he said where the Byronic Carol is extra intelligent and has mm-hmm. these like above average attributes is because mm-hmm. of his ability to conflate and combine yes. his Hyde and Jekyll um, to acquire the kind of emotional intelligence and, and women respond to that. Um, yeah, we do. <laughs> it's like, the intelligence explains also like how conscious he is, he is of that that line that public versus private line because he sees it and he acknowledges it and yet he denies it whereas the hero is victim to it mm-hmm. regardless yes. of their relationship or like regardless of how much it's they're conscious of it the relationship is that the hero is the victim to that line that the Byronic hero is able to overcome. Yes. I want to hear other Byronic heroes that people can yeah. think of. Like when you're put on the spot, you can't think of many. Yeah, no, but- exactly. But then when you have the, the reference in mind, um, we should do a poll or if anyone's listening, what are some Byronic heroes that you know of that, yeah. that we would be able to be like, oh, fuck yeah, that's it. That uh, make your heart go thump, 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 thump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, get you a little Twitter painted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Byronic heroes are, that's an interesting concept. I am surprised you didn't come up more in class. Well, I like that they co- kind of coexist within romanticism and gothic. Yes. Yes, it it's like a thread. <laughs> it is. It is very much a connecting thread. Yeah. Because what they symbolize is something that like romanticism is using and mm-hmm. what gothic is explaining. Accusing. Yeah. Yeah. So that is as much as I'm willing to subject Bethany to my lecturing for one <laughs> night. Um there there's so much to be said about the gothic genre and the fact that we're not talking about any specific books today is part of the reason that I just kind of touched on those two key kind of like themes three uh, or I guess like keywords 
So that's where we'll end it today. Yeah. It'll like, we'll definitely have these conversations again. Yeah, exactly. This is, especially because I, I constantly bring it up and with uh, the books that we just read, King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, they definitely kind of draw from this tradition. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde element with Nikolai. There's the story within a story with the yeah. constant extended flashbacks. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we started, we, uh, did recorded this episode pretty early in the season because mm-hmm. we are going to be covering Frankenstein and Weathering Heights. Yes. And it's just going to come up in discussion across the board. And so I, we I to feel make sure this kind of precursor. I feel enlightened as a, <laughs> as a pupil of Melissa's vast tutelage. knowledge tutelage yes <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> i love i, I love the moment like where was I? <laughs> after <laughs> putting your glasses up <laughs> you're like adjust your glasses where was i <laughs> it's like is um, that is that real did you just do that <laughs> i have bifocals and so if they're really? like right here yeah they, oh. don't, they don't have a line but like down here Okay. So that's why that's why I'll move them up because then I can't read until like they're like at level. <laughs> yeah. Shut <Cute>. up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so that that concludes our gothic episode in hopes that it is a nice little uh pregame to some of the episodes we'll be having later yeah. this season. Yes. All so right. Can you find us, Bethany? Oh yeah. Um, you can find us on Instagram at in bed with books pod also on YouTube at, um, in bed with books podcast. Um, we put all of our unedited versions up there. We also have, um, every Friday we release or every other Friday, I should say we release, um, uh, pretty much an extra episode where we talk about films or shows or just other stories. Um, sometimes we talk about milk sometimes we... <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you know yeah and then Whatever's uh on our mind yeah so <laughs> it's uh definitely uh uh subscribe to us there but but we're on instagram most of the time you can find everything that we're doing um you can also check out our website at inbedwithbookspod.com um and see who we are a little bit more so yeah all right meanwhile Happy reading. Happy reading. Bye. Bye. two and a half hours (laughs) i'm not complaining we could we could do a part one part two if we wanted we could yeah 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 um i'd be fine with that